to 12 Questions. Hello. <laughs> Woo. Uh, my name is Anna Valenzuela, and I'm joined here today by um, Alex. I am Alex Duong. And our guest, how would you like to identify yourself? Oh, oh, oh like sexually? Yeah. No. Like, well, because, yes, please. because we interview so many people with like an anonymous sort of lifestyle, I will let people, well, well, not I, but we, we let people just, you know, if you decided you just wanted to be your first name or an alias or whatever you um, want to talk about. I'm Casey Coop. Hell and yeah. And mm. I guess my three things are like comedy, stripping, and being a recovering alcoholic addict. So yeah. I think that's just like my, my, my bullet points. <laughs> You're right. Like, my set girl, what's your bullet points? Yeah. <laughs> Describe yourself in a sentence. It's like, what's your brand? Yeah, no, I'm like, no. yeah, <laughs> it's so funny in LA how we have to like, it's the what is it, the multi hyphenate on Twitter, like your comedy stripping producing singing whatever casting director (laughs) yeah everyone's like 20 things but we're all really just like failures yeah (laughs) (laughs) we're all just a bunch of people trying to make the rent yeah trying to make rent but uh yeah welcome today and i just want to thank everybody for being so patient uh, I just started therapy and literally the end of it, just what you just said, like the end of it, uh, I've, ne- I've never had a professional be like, I don't think you know who you are. <laughs> and I was like, oh, really? Ah! She, she <laughs> called you out? Oh, yeah. No. She's she, better than all of us bullshit yes men comics who just oh. want a circle jerk. Good for her, oh, man. Uh, I need I need one of hers. Yeah, she was a recommendation from another comic, and I texted him <laughs> afterwards. I was like, first off, I'm sweaty, and I'm exhausted, <laughs> and I went... I saw my personal trainer today, and I don't think I was as sweaty as when I was. That's hilarious. <laughs> Dude, no I got joke. my first therapist this year, and it was only for like four months, and I kind of stopped working with her. I, I She just didn't give me anything. She was just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Is that their job is just Yikes. to agree? Some, or? some say, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, this is a cognitive behavioral therapist, so it's sort of like uh, – I've gotten out all of the, like, this is the past stuff. I'm very good at okay, this good. is the past therapy. I'm good. really good at that. You've worked through it. Worked through a lot of that stuff. Where we're at now is uh, this is the present and here's some tools. Oh. Yeah. See, that's real therapy. Give me that. Just, good, good. Yeah. I need that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I also is... need the past stuff. I need it all. Give me. Exactly. Anna, fix me. Exactly. Oh, I've, I can't fix me. So that's what <laughs> we all have. I got to know my roots. I did have that last week where a bunch of people kept, like, calling me. And they were like, Hey, I really need to have lunch, and I was like, "Oh, I know what this means. It means you're not ready to go therapy, but you just want someone to uh, listen, which is <laughs> who's fun. had enough of it. Exactly, needs a hug. exactly. So, uh, but yeah, by the end of it, I maybe was like, they're just hungry. Well, you don't yeah. know. That's <laughs> true. Maybe they just want to eat next to somebody and just be like, I, you know, uh, I don't want to talk about a gnarly protracted breakup. <laughs> you know, yeah, but that's yeah. usually oh. what happens. <laughs> not mine. I'm doing great, but uh, <laughs> get you to that point where you can eat alone and solace. Like, Real talk, when you can sleep in the middle of your bed, you're living your life. Yeah. How does one do that? Oh, I sleep right in the middle like a starfish if my boyfriend's not around. Good I'm like, get you. out of here. This is my rock. I'm Good for you. I this. think it's because my cat sleeps in the middle of my bed, so I'm always just designated to the far <laughs> edge of it. Because she's a goddamn princess. That's beautiful. That's oh, my, beautiful. My, my Japanese princess pillow sleeps in the middle. Wait, oh. no. <laughs> I thought you were talking about your fiance. <laughs> I was like, that's was a like, weird name. I was like, that's so sweet. Oh my god. Well, there's 
so much to get into, Casey. You're a delight. I've wanted to interview you since like before the podcast went away, and now it's back, and it's different, and it's better. Um, the revamped, so, the revamps. You're you're Cast. you're in the you're in the the. The, we're not. You're in the season two. Season Uh-oh. two. You're in season Uh-oh. two. Guest starring. Yeah. Hey. So, uh, so I'm so excited. Uh, I, I just want to get right into it. Uh, how do you experience surrender? And like, Oof. whether it's on a daily basis or the big one back when, or you know, Oof. I personally need to be bloodied head to toe, and maybe just like, uh, I guess metaphorically but bloodied but also you know i've had some real injuries so yeah i just (laughs) (laughs) no i just like i have not lived until you've fallen face first down some stairs (laughs) that is that is the disease at its best (laughs) just like "Ah!" like i remember falling i don't remember the impact because blackouts are magic oh god Um, (laughs) yeah no it's um i have to just hit my head against the wall 20 times before i learn a lesson you know like I am so obstinate, like surrender. I'm like, you know, I'm the kind of person that like, I want to be in charge of everything and I want to look tough and not get all tattooed and don't fuck with me and don't talk to me. And then I'm all alone and I'm sad and I don't know how to handle things. And it's like, so my point of surrender is just like, I have to be so beaten down and, and basically humiliated that like, because I don't think there's anything more humiliating than asking for help. Right. That took me 26 years to get to. So, yeah, I just have to really be a fucking train wreck and, like, Why is it hard down. to ask for help? I just don't want to look weak, you know? Like, growing up, like, there, I think something about my mom, like, she really just, like, has this thing, maybe from her own traumatic childhood, where she has to be tough all the time or just eat the spiciest food. She always takes scalding hot showers for some reason. Jesus. Her pain tolerance is through the roof. I don't know why. Am I your mom? Yeah. By the way, <laughs> you were describing me. I'm like, how spicy can I get it? This shower isn't hot enough. Yeah, I broke my foot. Whatever. I just yeah. put on Doc Martens and yeah. live my life. <laughs> you shouldn't ask me that question to be my mommy because of my mommy issues. I'm like, please be my mom. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I'm always looking for one. But I, I relate to that. I'm very much, I was conditioned the same way to just yeah. be like tough as fuck. Look tough, don't ask for help, mm-hmm. and then just get a lot of tattoos so people are afraid of you. Badge That's, of honor. If yeah. they don't know you. If people know me, they're like, oh, she's an idiot. Like, if her tattoos mean nothing. But if they if they don't know me, they're like, they won't talk to me, which I love. <laughs> That's fun. I love the people. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It's, I think that's conditioned in me to like look tough, be tough, be stronger than you, you know, just never ask for help. Right. Right. What has been your most like insane moment in and out of recovery? <sighs> oh, wow. Uh, like, I know. I'm like, here's the question for you. <laughs> I did like, this is such a great question because like I could go anywhere from like, Orgies with rugby Australian players in Vegas to, like, doing coke off a dick to, like, just really out there stuff. Um, But I think the most insane moment for me that really, I guess, defines and the course, the the change in course of my life was at my rock bottom. It was the last night I was drinking and I was in Vegas, of course, naturally. And I was so fucked up on pills and my heart was racing out of my chest. And I was so 
just a husk of an empty soul. Nothing there anymore. I just didn't care about living. I wanted to die. I was too scared to kill myself. And I remember I was walking to this casino with this scary, creepy man who gave me drugs. I was separated from my bachelorette party of friends that I'd come there for, or with, rather. Oh, a rock bottom with a bachelorette party? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> As you do. I know. And they're all having fun and having martinis, and I'm like... Pills. Overdosing on pills <laughs> with a weird dude. What, um, what kind of pills? What were your pills of choice? I, I asked for Molly, but I think it was like speed. Because let me tell you, I've never felt a high like that. And I've done a lot of Molly. And I took one pill and I was high for hours. I took another and I almost overdosed. Jeez. And I've taken tons of Molly, like five and whatever. And it wasn't anything like that. It's probably like speed or something. Go, but, ha- go hard or go home. So, so I was walking through the casino. And I think this moment just is so insane. Looking back. Um, because of in the moment I felt nothing, this random lady walked by me in the casino and she was like, hey, honey, your dress is on inside out because I had just come from a pool mm-hmm. and swam naked in front of this dude for some reason on a rooftop somewhere. Um, I could have been killed. And I had put my <laughs> dress back on uh, inside out apparently and I did not give a fuck. And I looked at her just dead eyed and down at the dress and I ripped off the tag and I kept walking and looking back at that moment, I'm like, holy shit. First of all, I remember it, which is weird. Secondly, I just can't believe how empty I was. I didn't like I care a lot what I look like, even though I'm wearing like a shitty sweatshirt. And You're I, adorable <laughs> right now. Oh, thank you. Also, Horror Nights was awesome this year. Oh, my gosh. I'm going in two weeks. I went to Universal last night with my family or with my parents who were visiting. Nice. Or, or yesterday, rather. And we went during the day. Nice. Um, but I'm wearing a Horror Nights sweatshirt from Universal. Shouts out. Mm-hmm. Um, Shouts out. But I do care a lot about what I look like. I do. I know how I present myself. And I just like didn't care at all that I was a complete train wreck and who I was with. And that I was just on the verge of death. Like it was, it's kind of scary to when you get to that point of of right. not caring. And it's not like a cool not caring, you know. Yeah, <laughs> what I, people I, think. I didn't go out in a blaze of glory. I totally get it. I was just like, I can't hang anymore. I yeah. can't do this. So yeah, yeah. and it, it was like twenty six. I'm twenty, or maybe twenty nine this month. Um, Woo-hoo. and I was like. Am I too young to get sober? Or a part of me said, because everyone's like, oh, your 20s is a party. It's the best time of your life. Go hard. And then part of me was like, oh, no, I've wasted all these years. And so it was like this weird, like, I'm too old to get sober. I'm too young to get sober. Turns out any age is just right. And I'm glad I did it before, you know, fucking dying. Yeah. uh, I can tell you some new therapist told me uh, today about that because I got I got clean when I was 20. Oh, good for you. What? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I don't mean to, I don't mean to break. No, no but, it's awesome. But what happened was, is I, you know, I was trying to reframe, like, how do we look at these experiences? And maybe, you know, that was a positive part of my life in its own way. You know what I mean? And then uh, she said something to me. She, I said, and then there's kind of the age element. And she goes, you know, it's so great that you got it at that age. You got the kind of the bad girl phase out of your life at that age, because it's way harder in your 30s to, to Oof. turn your life around. And I was wow. like, Oh, that's such a way to look at it. So rather than it being like too young or too old, you know, at 26, that's kind of the, that's right in the pocket. That's the golden time. I that's think so. Like, I, it hit me too. Cause like yeah. I worship Amy Winehouse. I have her tattooed on my arm and um, the 27 club, I was fast approaching and <laughs> except, no. for, except for without, thing. without all mm-hmm. the fame and money and success, just a fucking <laughs> co- open <laughs> mic comic loser. <laughs> God. But it made sense to me. The 27 age right. for some reason, because it just reached that fork in the road of, like kill myself or overdose kind of accidentally or whatever Mm -hmm. you know just not caring about my life or get clean like I hit a fork in the road where I was like 
oh, I see how people, all these people died at 27, you know? Right. At least that was the trajectory I was on. And was it that night that you were with that weirdo all hopped up on meth that you were like, too much, (laughs) this is too much? (laughs) Yes, yes, it was. Um, Except for then we were in Vegas for one more night, so I had like shots of fireball the next night. But then I, after that was my last, how embarrassing is that 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 was my last drink? (laughs) Considering I was like a hard alcoholic, fucking fireball. They didn't even have, uh, they did not have fireball. Uh, good when I, they had a thing called god I say oh my god I just feel like I just grew like a bonnet and gray hair in a rocking chair but like they didn't have fireball what they had was this shit called aftershock which I think is oh I've heard of that is that blue yeah you know, uh yeah <laughs> there was a blue one like it was when it was coming up out of my mouth yeah, yeah. there was like a blue one and a red one and then the, the red one is the cinnamon flavor and it gave oh. you the worst hangover it was the fucking worst but it tastes uh, like candy but it tasted like cinnamon candy and i thought oh. fireball was bullshit because like i liked my straight jameson which alex and i were talking about yeah. at, the, at the end jameson, of our run yeah. it was all jameson all night every night yeah because you're just like what is uh what is the point of all this other stuff yeah like, what just- is yeah, like, let's, like, let's, let's get right hard. to the heart of it. Yeah, yeah I want my drinks to taste like burning. <laughs> yes, yes, I love. Oh God, oh my God. Um, uh, Burn yeah, down all that sadness right it, away. Yeah, exactly. could everything just hurt a little? Like, like a cleaning yeah. agent, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Clean those bad feelings away. Exactly. Crazy. That's so crazy. So how how do you make decisions in your life? Um, it's it's so different than it was. Uh, so I got clean two years and three months ago. Um, it was so different mm-hmm. than it was then because my decisions then were complete impulses all the time, every time. Mm-hmm. And now there's still a lot of impulses. Like I still get a lot of tattoos. I still shop on the internet for stuff I don't need because I'm an addict. I'm addicted to everything that makes me feel differently. But at least I have a pause now. And, that, and what I mean by that is like before I <laughs> get a tattoo that I thought of the day before, which I did a couple of times. Um, is that your Japanese Asian princess pillow? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Her name is <laughs> She's 100% cotton. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She's all natural. Um, so, oh, yeah. I, I know. I pause and sometimes I ask, you know, the universe or my higher power, like, show me the way. And it feels hokey sometimes, but I do it anyway because I just like when I react to like every impulse I have, which I did for years, you know, I throw guys cell phones into traffic and I punch them in the nuts (laughs) right after and I get a random tattoo and I... Just burn a bridge or or I've walked out of multiple restaurant jobs and then, you know, became a stripper. And I just like I re- I react to the world and I react to every feeling because my feelings used to be facts. They used to be that's the hard and truth. And other people just don't get it because they don't feel as hard as me. And maybe I still sometimes think that way that like I just feel right. extra harder than other people. And maybe it's true. I don't know. The point is, like, I can't just act on all those feelings because I end up just, like, <laughs> essentially in, in my life in flames around me. So now I try to, like, I actually have meditated my entire sobriety, like, every morning, and I'm up to, like, 20 minutes a day. Wow. That's fucking changed the game for me. Like, my, really? oh, my, because, like, I come from a family of extremely anxious, type A, uptight people, and I am extremely anxious, uptight and type a and like my anxiety has ruled my life and meditation has like 
sometimes even when I do meditation, I'm anxious. I'm like, what am I doing here? And I'll scratch my face. I'm like, why did I scratch my face? I'm meditating. You know, <laughs> That's me. Anytime I meditate, I'm like, uh, why are we here? What's going on? Why are you talking about this? Why are you thinking something? What are you doing? <laughs> Like, like it's this just, isn't meditating anymore. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's There's a, things to be done. Yeah, <laughs> it's a thought mosh pit for me. Today, I, yeah. when I was meditating this morning, I had this. I had been trying to reword a tweet for the last two days, uh, and I tweeted and deleted the same kind of thought a couple times, and it came to me in my, in my meditation today. And I'm like, no, I want to stop the meditation and delete the last version and tweet this version, but I didn't stop the meditation. But anywho, yeah. I guess the point of all that is like it's meditations help me like slow the fuck down and like stop reacting to every feeling. Yeah. Cause sometimes now when I make decisions, I'm like, okay, Casey, do you wanna call your boyfriend and yell at him for something he hasn't done? Or do you just wanna like breathe and like right. d- like like go clean clean your bathroom, you know? Like yeah. do something else in the meantime. Right. I can literally save a relationship. Mm-hmm. That one fucking breath can save a relationship. True. Case, Casey and I were talking earlier about relationships and how it's so important just to you know the the whole do the right thing all do the next right thing all day long quote that they have. And I feel like a lot of that is logic based and not emotion based. Because a lot of relationships I've walked away from was like, we went out with this girl for like four years. And one day, like in high school, I was like, mm. ah, not anymore. Yep. I'm not feeling it. I'm having this yep. one moment of silence. I'm breaking it off. And she like, she was devastated. I, I broke up with her right before her best friend's wedding. Whoa. And her best friend still to this day doesn't talk to me. Because she called me up and she was like, do you realize my maid of honor was crying the whole time oh. during my fucking wedding? And not happy tears. No yeah, happy tears, tears for, for the love. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Alex and I were talking about that before we started recording um, in that, like having a lot of friends who are comics and yeah. artists and performers and how I used to be a lot like my other comic friends in relationships where – you might date someone for a little while and just panic and just mm-hmm. leave or maybe subconscious, subconsciously not feel deserving of love and just leave. Right. Or I'll talk to my dude comic friends and be like, oh, you're still dating that lovely girl. You guys were hyper in love on Instagram yeah. and from the sounds <laughs> of it that you told me. And they're like, well, we broke up. Why? I don't know. It's just like you, you just and maybe like my kind of mentor tells me is like, you're not going to be feeling the fire of love every single moment of the relationship. So to have like a moment where you're like not on fiery love doesn't mean you have to fucking break up with right. them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. what? You don't you. have to yeah. break up with them when at the moment you don't feel fire, you know, because like, then you get the fire back two days later, you know, it's yeah. nuts. Like how I would just like react and run away and be scared. Right. And just like be ruled by fear 24 seven. That's amazing. I'm glad you're through that. Yeah, me too. Or at least in a place where you're managing. You know what I mean? And you're in a happy relationship, for fuck's sakes. I know. I was telling Alex before we started recording that on Mondays a year, and I haven't dated someone that long in like six years, so that's crazy. Congratulations. Thank you. When did you start dating your mans? Oh, God. Uh, (laughs) About about a year ago, actually. A year and a month. A year and a month. I I think about the same time we got together, and they're both a little younger for us. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I got a young it's the best (laughs) it really is and he's just actually like way more mature than like 35 year olds i've 
kind of fuck dated whatever you want to yeah, call that exactly. bullshit <laughs> yeah i wouldn't whatever. even say dated because like none of them want to commit so <laughs> exactly exactly yeah no uh dudes same way just super mature most people think he's older than he is because he's very like Aww. you know he's he's gonna be a banging 40 year old you know what oh. i mean that's the thing silver fox yeah the um uh you'd mention the decision to strip and that's yes. that's the thing because you started doing that in recovery. Yes. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, 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 no. Um, before it was only three months before I got oh, clean. Okay. So it, people are always like, "How do you do this sober?" And actually, like, it just was like a totally different experience when drunk and high versus when I'm like clean and sober. Um, because like I think I experienced both the stereotype of it and like the what a lot of is the truth for a lot of sex workers and strippers, which is that it's just a job or it can be really fun. The best analogy I've heard is like, I'm going to butcher it, but it's basically um, like it's a, you're a surfer riding the wave and you can go under or you can just ride the wave. Right. And sex work and stripping can be really fun. Like, you're just dancing around with your friends, playing dress up, making easy money, getting paid to dance. If you just kind of like stay with the positive, don't associate with all the bad people or the, right. you know, the dark side of it. By or, the way, every office operates that way. Everywhere right. you work, there's there's somebody who's, you know, kind of a dark skeevy person. Yes. You know, they just might na- be named Linda and they might work in a cafe. <laughs> You know, but then there's also like a fun side if you just kind of like, and that's where I was at when I was drinking and drugging and I started dancing because like I'm a good dancer and I'm a huge flirt and at the time a sex addict and I was like, this will work for me. I need to save up for a new car. My car was just an old beater car and it finally Mm -hmm. broke down, you know, and I was just like, I just want to get a car and if I like this, I'll continue and if I don't, I'll stop. And um, those three months I was still drinking, I was just such a mess and I fucking kind of inadvertently turned all the girls on me because like when a baby stripper which is like a girl new to stripping comes in and is just like there's a there's like unspoken rules basically that make the hustle for the girls you know work um because there's no you're all independent contractors you know yeah you don't have like a a person telling you what to do except for the other strippers and if you're hustling the wrong way doing too dirty of stuff um there's certain rules and stepping on the other girl's toes and that kind of inadvertently messes with their money so it was horrible i was like a baby stripper i was at rock bottom with like a sex addiction drug and alcohol addiction and i very suicidal and just a wreck and all of these strippers hated me and i was like no but this stripping's the end of the road like this is all i have like all i have is going to like a more kind of hardcore club where maybe it's all prostitution and i'm not ready for that like if the girl's here to like get me fired you know and i was like oh like i left my restaurant jobs because you know i don't like my managers telling me what to do because i'm very obstinate alcoholic once again right but i'm like no there's no other backup like this was my backup plan right and then when i got clean it took the girls a long time you know, I don't blame them, but basically yeah. they kind of come around to me. And some of them really just fucking hated me. And they'll tell me that now. I mean, the girls at strip clubs aren't, you know, going to sugarcoat it. But now we're so close. Like, people there love me because, like, I got sober and I was able to work on, like, all the shit that made me act like a mess and act selfishly and offend people and fuck up their money, you know, by mm. being selfish, you know? Um, so yeah, in the strip club, I knew 
this girl Malice who still works there and she has like 16 years clean off of like heroin and wow. homelessness Damn, and 16. the most intense childhood stories I've ever heard uh, with addict parents she's just really been through it foster care and she's like head to toe tattooed mohawk she's in her 40s but she looks like she's in her 20s she's in like all these music videos and B films and she gets flown places to film stuff and cause she's just kind of like a just like an icon she has like hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers and I saw her having like the most fun out of anybody else at the club and she didn't preach about being sober she'd just tell kind of stories in the locker room and mention her sobriety and I was like this bitch is really doing it this bitch is tattooed this bitch is mohawk this bitch is an icon and she's not stopping stripping for nobody. And I was like scared that if I got sober, like yeah, people would try to tell me to stop dancing. Y- and people is, kind of did. Yeah, there some is, people kind of did. There is a uh, old school kind of idea of how women should behave in <laughs> in twelve step programs and where sexuality is. Uh, in any way, whether it's marketable or not or whatever, it's you know the lady. I'm trying to describe the lady. Um, she sits in the meeting. She knits mm-hmm. a lot. She kind of goes mm-hmm, when people share, and uh, she yep. she definitely like she goes to coffee. She doesn't say much, and she kind of will occasionally be like, "Well, you know, so and so sleeping with blank blank blank," and it becomes this. And sort usually, of- they're like living off their husband's money anyway. Exactly. Exactly. They're not, like you don't have shit to worry about, and so it's it. And and I'm not. But, saying- but it's also like ironic because like you're living off a man and his money, and it's like the same thing as sex work. <laughs> basically, basically, basically. And so I reached a point, or it's you know something different. Like I had, um, I reached a point in my step work where, and I was single for the first time in forever, and I had a therapist and. Um, at the time, uh, I had a therapist tell me like, you need to learn how to casually date and you also need to learn how to like have casual sex. It's like a real thing you need to learn because every time you get naked, you can't fall in love. That's just not okay. Like, like you're getting wrapped up in these, like the contrary action was to not get wrapped up in these super mesh relationships just because I slept with somebody one time. Yeah. Oh my God. I had so much issues with that. I was the same way. Right. Right. And so I, you know, as I started to explore that, I had a sponsor tell me she was very, very uncomfortable because of her her own stuff and her own and we we talked it out you know yeah you know what's interesting is like what i learned being around 12 steps programs and everything is that a lot of older women even like middle-aged women like they used to strip or do sex work while they were drinking and using drugs so they associate, so they associate it. it with that time and that time is very right. dark to them right and tie it with like all of this bad memories being taken advantage of being hurt being molested being etc um but like other there's also a lot of sober sex workers who talk to me and they're like they they do sex work in sobriety and it's like just fine it's what they feel comfortable with and so i think those other people who might be older or or even were doing sex work in a time the 70s the 80s when we didn't have the internet to make it more normalized and even cooler now like i feel like i've kind of added to making it cool cuz it's fun and right. there's other women on the internet doing the exact same thing right. you're removing the stigma the stigma them. but they internalize the stigma and when i was new to it you know i'm a fucking straight a full scholarship 
to college kid. So I was like, oh, I'm such a loser for stripping. And I fucking hated myself even more for doing it because I was internalizing all that stigma. And then I got sober and I was like, no, actually, this is fun. Like, at least the club I work at is great. Like, not everyone's experience the same. Every club's different. Everyone's at a different point in their life doing it. But there's plenty of girls working to pay their bills by stripping or supporting their musical dreams, their fashion dreams, their et cetera dreams by dancing and like having a good old time. And they just don't mention it because everyone in their life will start criticizing them. Right. So the people who are having a good time will talk to me about it, but they won't open up to you about it. So you don't hear about that. You only hear the old ladies from the 70s and the 80s who are like, who speak up about it. It was a horrible time in my life because they fucking were high and dealing drugs at the club, you know? They had a different experience than me. But yeah. the, the ones who are sober and really doing it or just normies, a.k.a. non-addicts who are doing it and having a fine time, they just don't want to deal with the flack, but they're fine with it, you know? Well, that's good. Sounds yeah. Like, sounds a lot better than sitting in a cubicle. Way better. I could never yeah. do that. Anything yeah. is better than sitting it in a really cubicle. Is. I can yeah. tell you I've lived that cubicle life oh, and it is. Same here. I'm really? I could never Yeah, I've thought that. about stripping before. I even thought, I even have, <laughs> I even thought, I even well, came up with my own name. Well, you can actually dance. Did you come I, up with a name? Yeah. What's your name? It would be like, coming to the stage, ladies, it's Thundercat. Thundercat. Oh. <laughs> I like how you related your strip club name to pussy somehow. Oh, absolutely. It would be awesome. And I even like I even looked into it and I was like, I, you know what? Fuck college. I want to become a male stripper. This would be cool. But then I was like too chicken shit because my parents are Asian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, <laughs> lot of shame stuff there. That's why you rarely see Asian girls in the club. Sometimes. But it's it's rare, man. Like a ah. unicorn. You'll, you'll see one. I'm sure they're out there. I've seen one in Dallas. I've seen a couple in I'm Dallas. I'm a quarter Japanese. So like for me, the I, I play up the eyeliner and guys are like, oh, an Asian girl in a strip club. They get really excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only a quarter Japanese. I'm an awkward white guy. Get over here. Yeah. They come in there. Where's the Asian one? Yeah. <laughs> I heard about her. The Actually, fables. the last couple nights that where I did really well were all made by Asian guys. So hey. 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 Shout out. Oh, hey. hey. I love that. I love that. That's great. What is the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself so far? This last two and a half years. Ooh, oh my God, where to begin? What? Um, the most, <laughs> it, probably that I am a good person. <laughs> like, is that that's a, a weird big, thing? No, that's, that's not big, weird at all. Like, yeah. I think I was told lies my whole life uh, by, you know, a parent uh-huh. um, that was projecting and. So even though I honestly like my 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 mentor kind of had to ask me like why why do you think you're so bad? I mean, she's heard every secret I have, every painful thing, right. every guilty story. And honestly, none of them are that bad, I want to say kind of objectively. Like I just believed that I was a really bad person and sometimes, you know, I wouldn't be great to people. I'd push them away or you know, burn bridges, but I I didn't do anything objectively like that bad ever. And I, and you know, I, my good things I did might've been out of people pleasing that that I kind of Mm -hmm. was conditioned to like act towards one of my parents, both of them actually. But I, you know, I didn't do anything that bad and I've always had a good heart and tried to do the best that I could. And I think even that my alcoholism is a disease that is separate from me. And those things I did out of fear were because of my disease that isn't, doesn't have to define my fucking soul. Like, you know, like I have good intentions and I have good actions now to match those good intentions. So right. I'm like, whoa, like it was just lies told to me that I was 
essentially a piece of shit. And that's another great thing meditation's done for me is repeating those mantras that I'm a good person and that I love me. And it's just like really a lot of unlearning and reprogramming. But God, it's been a relief to find out that all those lies that were unbased just, you know, they're they're not real and they don't have to like define my actions. Cause if you are told enough that you're something, you're going to start to believe it. Oh yeah. Especially mm-hmm. at a young age, you totally. know, mm-hmm. and then you'll start to act that way to fulfill that, that thing. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, when I was younger as like a kid and a teen, like I over excelled to make up for feeling like I was shitty. But then into my twenties, I was like, no, you're always going to think I'm shitty parent. So I'm just going to, be a fuck up now you yeah. know i mm-hmm. yeah it's self-fulfilling i guess yeah absolutely i'll show you the monster yeah like okay well these positive things didn't impress you maybe these negative um this negative acting out will scare you right or make you give more attention to me or whatever right totally S- a small moment i experienced when i was at my sponsor's house for the first time was that i accidentally kicked over a dog bowl of water and I just said to myself out loud, I was like, oh, Alex, you stupid piece of shit. Yes. Jesus yes. Christ. And he's like, hey, well, what's that? You know, you can just grab paper towels and wipe that yeah. up, right? <laughs> yes. Just, just water. Just, it's just water that you can dry up and it's it's just water. It's those little moments, though. I yeah. had the same type of thing of just like ha- learning how to forgive myself for Whoa, being yeah. human, yeah. for being you. It's an accident to kick over water and it dries right. up like it's nothing, you know? Yeah. But I was the same way, just self-flagellating for anything and, and nothing at all, actually. Yeah. My sponsor would, I would tell her something or misdeed, even in recovery, and she'd go, uh, how old are you? And I'd go, um, you know, 30-something, 30 <laughs> 35. And she'd go, hmm, so that means you were born in 82. I go, yep. And she'd go, oh, <laughs> I was doing that before you're out of diapers with That's clean awesome. time. So calm down. <laughs> That's calm so down. awesome. What yeah. a relief. Yeah, just like what a relief. Like, well, we're all the same as each other. And it's, that when we take the shame out of it, it's so much easier to to get into that contrary action. Because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, wait a minute. Well, then I'll just do this thing that makes me feel good. And then yeah. it's like, oh. But when you're shrouded with shame, and mm-hmm. like, shame is, I love the topic of shame, and I've read books about it and everything. Are you a Brene Brown girl? You ever no. get into that, um, uh, 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 oh God, deconstructing, uh, oh, I'm going to send you some TED Talks. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. send it to yeah. me. I, I, love, I love the topic of shame, because mm-hmm. I think I just learned to feel ashamed of being alive at a young age and then yeah you know then it would go into like when i started stripping i'd feel shame about being a dancer and even like like this is kind of a weird thing but when i was a kid i think one of my first addictions or ways to feel better was masturbation i didn't know what it was but i was like (laughs) addicted to masturbating since i was like a child all the way through my early 20s and i felt so much shame like like I was dirty and I didn't really know what I was doing and then when I found out what I was doing I was like I'm really dirty and I masturbate to these dirty thoughts and like I grew up in this town where like religion presided all Mm, and I was waiting for it oh Oh, god so I just like I just felt dirty and wrong my whole life and and they they confirmed in the church that you were dirty and wrong yeah how dare you well we kind of stopped going to church around when I was like 13 but everyone in the town was very judgmental I remember at a party once like I only went to like a couple parties when I was in high school but I told these other kids that I masturbated 
and they got around school and oh, the popular oh. girls were making fun of me. Like they, as they which were, by the way, yeah, if as you they were they, taking it in the butt probably. Yeah, geez. but also yeah, but probably. Uh, but my my whole thing is like it's a good thing. You should be have yeah. a you know, I mean we, we would prevent a lot of wars if everyone just got one off before right? they got out of bed. Seriously. Silly. That's that's crazy. So yeah, if you have shame around your whole being, how are you going to progress and shine? And like, it was crazy because like when I'd start comedy, you know, what, five Mm. years ago, I'd look at all my comic heroes and other artistic like musical heroes and whatnot and be like, they have this kind of pride about themselves. Like, and I knew that's where I wanted to get. I just didn't know how to get from being this shameful, self-hating person to that I don't give a fuck person. And I feel like getting sober has given me that. And wow, did I ever want to like let go of all that shame about who I was. But I didn't know how to. It was just there. And I was like, how do I not do this? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'd act, I'd actually, I'd fake it, like fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, you know, when I was still drinking, I'd be very vocal online and at comedy clubs about, you know, my sexual activity and my stripping and everything. But I didn't actually not feel ashamed. I was just trying to combat it. Right. I was just like over, going over and above and being like, yep, I did coke off a dick and all this stuff. Yeah. But now I don't give a fuck. I'm like, oh, yeah, who cares? You know, <laughs> that's, what you're, that's what the stage is for, for you to deconstruct your thoughts and for you to that. really come up with your, your voice. If you can't be honest on stage, where the fuck can you be honest? Then you're not a comic. If you can't be honest on stage. We, we can read that. The audience can read that. They can, they can smell all. Oh, it. my God. I know. Do you ever see a comic just do the most corny set they've probably been doing for like 10 years? And like, it's so canned. And like, you're like, I, f- I feel the fakeness of this. Yeah. You know, there's such a and it's such a different energy when you see a real killer comic who's kind of just speaking from the heart. It's just like the room gets quiet. Yeah. You know, not out mm-hmm. of like not laughing, but just to listen to their every word. There's just mm-hmm. such a difference. Empathy is powerful. Yeah. And people can't attach with empathy to your to your material or to who you are if they're not getting something authentic on the on the front end. Yeah, they like you yeah. said, they can smell it. It's yeah. amazing. It's so ironic that the more honest and specific that you are, the more you realize you're not alone. Right. But if you come up with this polished yes. bullshit, then they're going to be like, what? What the fuck are you talking about? It's like, well, I thought that's what they wanted. It's never what they wanted. You can't predict what an audience wants. Right. You got to be yourself. That was actually, that's I discovered yeah. um, through Twitter, actually. I was <laughs> I was super into Twitter for a while there. Um, but I something I learned was that I was, because I was tweeting my innermost thoughts that I didn't think anyone would relate to. And that's what got me a following. So that so comedy in, in a way, too, that way, the, the Twitter route, um, made me feel less alone. It was like, oh, like this tweet went viral about this thing that I didn't think anyone else experienced, you know? Right. So comedy and connecting with audiences, even through social media, can be like, just like life-saving. You're like, right. oh, people get this? That's because they go through it too. What? Mm-hmm. I know. So We're it's not rad. Alone. It's rad. Comedy is awesome to connect to people that way. Absolutely. What would you say, kind of on that topic, what would you say your level of honesty is? Like a ten plus. <laughs> yeah, you're, so you're a real, you're a real upfront person, which I was, I was like, yeah. so excited to interview you because you're just like you're right there on the surface. Yeah, I think like I was kind of mentioning, um, it used to be a coping mechanism to try to combat a lot of that shame because I knew if I could actually let go of that shame, I could be like my heroes, my comedic and artistic right. heroes. Fucking Amy Winehouse, you know, just the realist. And um, but it was hard. And um, 
the honesty thing. I just did it when I felt uncomfortable with it. I did it now that I feel comfortable being honest. And it was just like for a while, it was just like, okay, like how do I undo shame? How do I undo fear? Just like bull, you know, go head on with it. So, and that's also what's gotten me a huge audience on in social media, which then got me the Playboy column where I was like almost, I would say too honest. And that's what I, it's like (laughs) rad because like I get a high out of being too honest because like sometimes you make people uncomfortable. And even as a little kid, like I was was the class clown and like I got a kick out of making people uncomfortable. I got a kick out of making them laugh, but also kind of making them squirm. And Mm -hmm. honestly, man, that'll make people squirm (laughs) in their seats. And I I get off on that. How it is. (laughs) I get off on that shit. I had a girl actually write me on Facebook the other day. It was really sweet. Just some random girl. She just was writing about how my posts have helped her. Um, She combats depression and addiction as well. And it makes her feel less alone. And like there's hope. And that felt great. But also that my posts about sex work and everything have changed her perceptions of it. Yeah. And that feels fucking great, too, that like your honesty can change people's worldview. And yeah. it cha- that then thus changes the world. Exactly. exactly. And actually truly accepting others as they are and not this preconceived notion that society has created, mostly by men, mostly by men. Mm-hmm. And to, to like, I don't know, extrapolate all these ideas onto people. And I feel like a lot of that pre-programming with women comes from men. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. a, you know, it's a man's world. So... Mm-hmm. Just to, like, try to undo the stigma towards stripping has always been, like, a goal of mine the last couple years. And it's cool that, like, I can just heal myself and and be whole. And then in doing so, people see this vision of a girl who's a stripper who's self-loving and shines bright and, like, changes the perception of what stripping is. Right. Because there are, like I said, a lot of strippers who are kind of closeted about it, but they're happy people, you know? There's not telling you about their line of work. So it's cool because, like, I get to just change people's fucking hatred towards sex workers, which leads to a lot of violence as well. And that's scary. Right. God, guys are fucking scary. Yeah, that's that's got to be that's got to be challenging, you know, because you have to set boundaries in what appears to be a boundaryless environment. But there's so oh, many no. boundaries. There's the whole so thing many is rules. setting boundaries. Yeah, and every girl learns her boundaries very quickly because you have to. And even if you're working at a club that does extras, aka like hand jobs, blow jobs, sex, even if you work at that kind of club, you still are going to have boundaries because guys. It's almost like, you know, I guess they are kind of like dogs. They'll get, they'll go as far as you let right. them. Um, I co-sign on that. <laughs> <laughs> so I've learned to treat men like children when they're there. I Before the lap dance starts, <laughs> I, I take their hands and I place them right on the couch and I sit and I place them there right before every lap dance. And I'm like, okay, no touching. If you say it sweetly, they'll listen and they'll usually follow suit. And if they try to touch you, I'll be like, don't get me in trouble. And they're like, okay. You know, they're like <laughs> children, you know, and you train them You and like, you have to learn how to set boundaries. Cause when I started, I didn't know how to set boundaries cause I wanted people to like me and I wanted someone to love me. Mm-hmm. So I let anyone do a lot of things. I feel like if you were talking about working in drug treatment and said that sentence, it would be completely real for a lot of people too. 
Which, which sentence? Sorry. We, that whole last bit about just wanting people to love you and learning how to set boundaries because they will do exactly what you let them get away with. <laughs> that is what working in treatment is. Because yeah. a lot of people go in there and they're like, I just want to help people. And oh. then you're like, why? Why do you want to help people? Why oh. do you want to run into this burning building every day? What is this about? Yeah. And so... That's, yeah, it is a burning... Yeah. yeah, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then, and then usually they burn out, like, really, really quickly. Yeah, I, I did that. It's for... also emotional boundaries. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I loved it's just like you're saying, like, so the people in treatment are kind of like my strip club customers sometimes I... in that, like, you can just <laughs> share energy with them and get on their level. Yep. Like, and also to I'm really fucking good at my job. I'm super charming. Like I can get on almost I would say any guy's level if he's uptight, loose, nerdy, uh, jockish, I can kind of always get get on their level somehow and, and charm them and make them like me. It's it's fucked up, but I guess I'm good at manipulating, but it's a shared energy that you, yeah. that, that, mm-hmm. to get on their level. And you ha- it's like weird. It takes a while, but you learn how to make emotional barriers. So you're not really letting them in and you're keeping the, the conversations brief. And like, you know, yeah. otherwise when I was new, I just, I wanted them to like me and they would fall in love with me and they keep coming back, but then they'd get obsessive because I was sort of just sharing my heart and my soul with them. Ooh, yeah. It was dangerous. It was yeah. too much intimacy. Yeah. It was yeah. like it was true like, intimacy. Yeah. How are you the perfect girl for all guys? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a master coat switcher. But, then, her one. But, it, but you end up completely drained uh-huh. in yeah. your soul. Oh, it takes everything yeah. away from you. And that was mm. me drinking. I was like, mm-hmm. Completely drained, completely empty inside, giving myself completely away to people. Right. And even hooking up with some of them, you know, later, you know, because I just wanted to be liked. Right. I just wanted to be loved. I wanted, I just wanted someone to see me naked and tell me I was pretty. Like, I would do that, you know, hook up with you so you'll tell me I'm pretty. And if you don't tell me, then I'm like, well, that was wasted, you know? Yeah. It's fucked up. And who hasn't (laughs) been there, by the way? Like, who hasn't been there? That's such a normal emotion. That's such a normal impulse. It really is. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Like, I was like, oh, I'm just doing this for validation. No, no. (laughs) That's, that's, I think, I think a lot of people, I mean, especially you see it here at the comedy store, there's a lot of people on that. I call it the fuck mosh pit that, that <laughs> patio up there just looking yeah. for somebody to that's awesome yeah just, that's the fuck mosh pit <laughs> the, the patio of the store exactly just Get looking naked. for just looking for somebody to see them and say they're pretty oh man fuck even the boys the boys wanna oh especially oh, yeah. the boys the especially boys like us boys. dude yeah. boys oh my god that's I've learned so much working mm-hmm. strip club just like work like talking to like millions of men like mm-hmm. You learn a lot. Like some things are really interesting. Like some people are super smart in whatever field they're in, but also just like that men are really afraid. Mm-hmm. They're so scared of women, dude. And when they come to strip clubs, the strippers were all like decked out in our tall shoes and we look down on them and we're, we're intimidating. They're scared. They have to get, mm-hmm. usually they have to have a few drinks before talking to us because they're so nervous and you just see the fear in them. And, and every man, no matter what his age, is a little boy who's scared of girls. I swear to God, the most playery guy is afraid of you rejecting him. It's so nuts, dude. Dude, you just mm-hmm. see, you learn to see through it. And now I actually, now that I'm talking about it, I realize like I have way more compassion for men working the strip club, which isn't true for all strippers. Mm-hmm. But because I think I see through their their fear, right. when you talk to so many of them and they get nervous around you and they want to, sometimes they fish for compliments from you. Sometimes they're just there for, for you to make them feel special not that's, like that's to rub we, on yeah, them yeah that's why we right. shave that's why we put on a nice shirt we want to go out there and just get that approval from the uh, opposite sex if that's your thing mm-hmm. you know we always yeah you know the whole playing hard to get thing you know the player keeps playing until he finds the one that plays hard to get 
Yeah. Then you're like,、yeah. hey, hey, what's up here? Okay, I need to double down. It's, it's,、yeah. it's the premise of every single fucking rom com, right? True. It's true. It's like,、mm-hmm. oh, Jude Law finally goes after the girl who doesn't want、Jude、him.、Law. You know, that's, that's my, <laughs> yep. that's my Jude. guy, Jude. Mis- Shout mis- out to Jude. Mis- Misplaced character actor, Jude Law. Oh, God. Oh, you tiny man. <laughs> that's so funny. How do you deal with fear and anxiety? Well, now that I can't drink or do drugs,、um, <laughs> I shop. No, not actually. My, my addictions have all pretty much subsided. I do sometimes online shop or get the occasional tattoo. But like, I, I guess like, by helping others now is, is like a big tool、mm. in the tool set. Just like calling other people, asking how they are, showing up for other people when they need me. Because in the past, I never showed up for anyone. I didn't wish、right. my family happy birthday on their birthday. And. It just makes me feel better now to just、yeah. like help other people. Sometimes I close down, I'll just shut myself in my bedroom, but a lot less than I used to. I,、yeah. That's actually not that common for me anymore. So, yeah, I do. I, sometimes I write about it. Sometimes I just like, what do I do? I, I have a dog now, which is like super helps me deal、oh. with like anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. So, helping other people, I guess. And occasionally shopping. <laughs> of course, you got to.、Yeah. What, is, uh, what are the character defects you have to work on the most now? My biggest ones、um, that I've learned are people pleasing,、mm. which is just manipulation.、Yeah. Actually, that one, <laughs> it was weird because it, it came up so much. Like, I learned、yeah. that in my behavior that my first year of sobriety, I really did a lot of work on it. And I feel like it's way curbed compared to what it used、right. to be, but it'll still pop up. Sometimes I'm、yeah. like, whoa, I thought I had that under control.、Yeah. But it comes up sometimes. I think. Um, for me now, being in a relationship for almost a year, what I've learned is like the big, big one for me is trusting others and、um, just insecurity, jealousy, and, and trusting a man, like trusting a, boy, a partner, trusting even women, like my friends. Like, yeah. I, dude, I never thought I had an issue with women. Like, I always considered myself a feminist and had girlfriends. But I do have a lot of mommy issues. And I think looking back, a lot of my friendships with my closest female friends were super fucking toxic. And I, I gravitated towards women who put me down a lot. And I was their sidekick, and they were hotter than me.、Wow. And they knew it. And I was、uh, the wing woman. That's real for me, by the way. Really? Yeah. yeah. And I, I just didn't, th- but I didn't think I was that way.、Yeah. I was like, I have always had a lot of girlfriends. And they're usually like super chaotic and then very like, have mental health stuff or other stuff.、Very. Like, like there's a very specific model of woman I'm chasing. <laughs> me too. And it's my mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They have,、uh, they have a lot of issues themselves,、yeah. a lot of eating disorders and self harming themselves.、Mm-hmm. And、um, even when I would have these packs of girlfriends, which I always did, Looking back, I was always being myself be the butt of the jokes because I, w- I was always a class clown. I was super obnoxious and funny, and, but I'd throw myself around and I'd make fun of myself constantly. So all the girls would be laughing. They loved me. My girlfriends loved me, but I didn't necessarily love them、right. so much. I liked them paying attention to me and laughing at my jokes and being like, Casey's so funny. So just like fucking building healthy relationships and real relationships、yeah. with women. And then learning to trust my boyfriend. He's always been great. But、mm. man, fucking intimacy scared me before、yeah. sobriety. Why are you so great? Yeah. yeah. You're too good to be true. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> What? Mine's always, because a lot of people in my life have died. Mine is always,、uh, <laughs> please, 
uh, why are you when, still alive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I, th- I said that a couple weeks ago. I was like, hey, don't die. And yeah. he's like, what? And I was like, just saying. <laughs> Seriously. Just saying. It, Seriously. It's, it's that don't abandonment leave stuff. me. Yeah. No, no, put on this bubble wrap suit. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or even like I was uh, watching a show the other day and it was like really touching and I just turned around and I was like, hey, why do you love me? And he was like, wait, yeah. what? What's going on here? Oh, I was like, I have so many moments where I'm like, yeah. you haven't told me I'm pretty in a couple days. Like it's bad and I have to catch myself and I am working on it. But yeah. I am only a couple years into sobriety and, and actually knowing about these sort of defects. And it's it sucks though because I know it puts a strain on our relationship to just be fishing for validation. Right. Like, well, do you like my outfit? Like, do you love me? Do you miss me? Like, I ask these questions and I'm like, stop. <laughs> like, right. It's I hard. That, I feel that's normal up to an extent though. The whole like, hey, what do you think of this? Or what do you think of that? Because I feel once we really like someone, we seek our validation or little like you know little brownie points. If yeah. you will, for, from other people, from yeah. the, from not other people, but like their significant other, the like, person we love. Absolutely, my fiance does it all the time. She's like, "Hey, what do you think of this?" And I'm like, "I don't know." And she's like, "Oh, okay." Because if I give her a compliment, which is fine, that's fine. Compliments are just normal. I feel like there's nothing wrong with a compliment. And if I'll dress a certain way, I'll put on a shirt and I'll be like, "Hey, hey, babe, what do you think of this?" And she's like, "Oh, that looks good." I'm like, "Yeah." That's the one. But you know what's bad is like, I'll be like, do you like my, you know, I cut my bangs. I'm like, do you like my bangs? And like, you can tell he doesn't like love them. And he'll try to say something nice, but I'll be like, you don't love them. Or you like my eyeshadow. Uh Mm, Your eyeshadow's fierce, by the way. Thank you. I I, I bought like a fire engine red eyeshadow for people listening and I love it. But like, you know, like I seek an answer from him that's untrue. So I can't be fishing for him to be dishonest is what I've learned. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Because it puts pressure on him and then he's being fucking dishonest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The, uh, okay. It's going to do How do you experience forgiveness? Um, I didn't think it was ever possible before, but I think just it started with forgiving myself. And then I'm like, oh, I actually have compassion for other people and their mistakes now. Because like, like Alex with the kicking the dog bowl thing, it's like I could just breathe the wrong way and hate myself. And then if someone else breathed the wrong way, I super hated them Mm -hmm. because I couldn't forgive myself for breathing the wrong way or whatever it was. Right. So like I just like have to forgive myself first now and I'm working on all this self-love. And then all of a sudden when people make mistakes big or small, I'm like, oh yeah, they're people that happens. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It doesn't dis- define them just like it doesn't define me. And that's so relieving. So relieving. My, yeah, my mentor was just like, you have to like, or just like, she essentially taught me to forgive myself in order to forgive others. And it was just right. baby steps for the first year. And it still sometimes is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I just was like, everyone, like everyone's a fuck up. People can't, do anything right. And it was really because I felt that way about me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to go about the world when everything's wrong all the time. Yeah, let's say 80% of how we treat e- people is how we feel about ourselves. Right. Oh my God, it's so true. And that's yeah. why now- 80%. That's Damn. an amazing statistic to know because like even now, like say a guy disrespects me at work, um, which isn't that often. I hate when people just think it's like all the time. It's like, no, it just happens once in a while. Just like, any right. place. actually, yeah, I was yeah. disrespected, disrespected 10 times, if not 20 times more when I worked in restaurants, actually all the time. Um, but when a guy disrespects me at my job, it's like, whoa, that was out of nowhere. That's because he hates himself. I'm a stranger to him. I'm just mm-hmm. a fucking dancer, you know, like, yeah, w- like that's all happening inside of him. And that sucks because that must be painful. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. So, that's when people cut me off in traffic and they're like losing their shit or I like accidentally cut them off in traffic and they're like, oh, fuck, I'll give them a thumbs up because I'm like, hey, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a thumbs up person. That's all right. awesome. And they're like, how dare you? you no, we, a thumbs up. Give me the finger like you're supposed to. <laughs> yeah. like, okay. I wave and smile. Uh, and I think, the moral, I think the moral of the story is we're both going to get shot on yeah, our yeah, way. It makes people so angry yep. when you're just like, hi. Yep. <laughs> I actually when I get mad at the drivers I do a, I do a sarcastic thumbs up uh, but it's very sarcastic and like, they know it uh, they know so funny it's so funny it's How, like an angry thumbs <laughs> what's been your weirdest amends like what's been your most interesting Ooh. or powerful or weirdest or amends god oh we like amends um I don't even know I uh, where to even begin, dude? Oh, one time, and this was something I did in sobriety, so I fucked up when I was already sober um, to a coworker. Oh, you mean you were human? Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just feel a little more painful when you do the fucking up. Oh, yeah, yeah. You sober. feel it so hard. Like, I thought I was going to be a perfect person now. Yeah. What? Well, it was humiliating because the amends kind of came organically, and it was in a very small room full of a lot of people who had ears to listen I'm <laughs> very uncomfortable so like at work like a couple girlfriends and I had this kind of chain text message going and one of the girls at work had gotten brought up on it and I contributed to some of the shit talking on her it got back to her when she got into it with one of the other girls on the chain text um told her like well Casey doesn't like you either and no. she and I were kind of friends no. And that was backstabbing of me because I made it on the surface, like I'm people pleaser. I made it look like we were still friends, but I was starting to like not like her for some of her her actions. Mm. But I didn't t- I didn't go to her and be like talk to her about it. I just talked shit about her. And that girl when they got into it was like, well, Casey's not even your friend. Oh, damn it! Yeah. But that's the but that's what's supposed to happen because right. I needed to like be a grown up and be like. All this shit talking that was my favorite thing to do as a high schooler, like shouldn't still be in my vernacular. And so she came to me in the locker room, which is a tight, tiny locker room. It's tiny. And there was like, what, like 15 fucking girls in this tiny room. And this girl came to me and she's like, hey, I heard you didn't like me. What's up? Like, why didn't you come talk to me? Right. The room got quiet. Mm-hmm. And I then had to like <laughs> apologize and make make things right. Well, Everyone was putting on their makeup and just listening. Oh, of just course. listening. Sure, I was I'm... sweating. <laughs> but I, I did. I, I made amends and I was like, you're right. Like, I talked shit and I should have come to you like a grown up. So that was uncomfortable. I was yeah. sweating and bullets. She, and how about she come to you while you're alone instead of just making yeah. a scene out of it? That's no, totally. I, but it was uh, my own fault for getting, you know what I mean? Like, right. it's my fault. I'm like, I deserved that. Yeah, it's, it, and it sounds like you did the right thing. You know, the first thing when I get into an immense situation, especially when I realized I sort of like fucked up in the moment, I go, uh, you know what? I caused you harm. And how can I make it right? Just simple. That's awesome. You know what That's I mean? That's awesome. I caused you harm. How can I make it right? Not. That's awesome. Not like, mm, sorry I'm so sorry. Like, yeah, I'm sorry if you selfish. felt this or, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that one. I'm like, A good thing my friend told me to start with is I acted selfishly. And I'm like, boof, that's good. That's, that's smart. Yeah. Because it is like, I, as a people pleaser, I'd say I'm sorry a million times a day and never mean oh, it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I remember I worked with this German lady in a, in a kitchen um, in college and she was old and blunt and she was like, 
what are you sorry for? Why are you always apologizing? Stop it. And that kind of shook me up and stopped apologizing somewhat. <laughs> yeah, there's always a terrifying older woman in our past. I've had people do that too. Like, hey, stop that. I love I older women. They don't I give a love, fuck. They don't give yeah. a fuck. I love it. <laughs> I needed her to tell me that because I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, over apologizing. That's a defense mechanism too. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, dude, don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. Exactly. It's I all did, about so. me. Don't be exactly. mad at me. It's, yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. That's all it is. So how do you do this thing? I mean, you brought it up already, but what does your day to day look like? Like, what is your what does your daily maintenance look like? You know, I. I hope I don't sound overachieving, but I have always been an overachiever because I'm a perfectionist. And I wake up every day and I pray. I meditate for 20 minutes. I go to I go to support groups quite often, and I end the day with prayer. And in between, I definitely try to like help people and like ask my higher power to show me like how to help people. Ask my higher power to make it obvious and very clear when my defects of character are about to happen so I can not act that way. Right. Like, please make it clear when I'm about to say something that's that's great. I should. I heard someone say that one time and it helped me a ton. It helps me a lot. So I actually am really active in all this stuff because I just feel like a sick motherfucker and I need it to just function in life. You know, I wasn't given a lot of tools growing up. Communication, honesty, um, just self-love, self-esteem. So I have to work really hard at just being, you know, a functioning adult. Yeah. You know, I guess it's hard for everybody to be an adult, though. It's just hard. Yeah. that's Just uh, paying attention to your wiring. That's right. Did being yourself... aware of it so that you don't have to, like, fall into all that shit. Because yeah. it's, it's to, a le- to an extent, it's a lot of instinct and intuition. So, like, I'm noticing my sobriety, I have better intuition that I won't say certain things mm-hmm. where I'm like trying to get a shock out of people. I'm like, no, I need to save that for the stage. I can't go around just <laughs> roasting people for no reason. I'm a bully. Mm-hmm. I, get, I become yes. a bully if <laughs> yes. I don't. Now I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, they didn't ask for it. Let me not Sometimes I think that, I, I mean, I've always loved comedy roasts since I was young, but I think sometimes being too heavily involved in the roast has made people a little too mean in real life. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Sure. And you can color your personality in a way that's bad. <laughs> I, had a, I had a moment uh, actually recording this podcast solo where um, it just sort of popped out of my mouth. Like, yeah, a lot of a lot of who I am when I roast is uh, exists in my character defects because I have Ooh. to dip into I have to dip into my judgment. judgment. I have to dip into my my own fears. I have to figure out like, OK, well, if these are my fears, what is that person afraid of? And so I've kind of been on hiatus with that because I need to figure out if I'm going to do it, how to do it from a place of yes, real love. Because it starts making you feel shitty. Like that's why I've not been doing that much stand up this last year when I used to go all the time is because even just the stand up environment and um, sometimes what I would write didn't feel healthy and it just yeah. made me feel gross and bad. And so, yeah, like my thing has kind of switched to more comedy writing and right. writing my book and like doing my podcast and doing projects that make me feel creatively stimulated without feeling toxic, you know? Because yeah. stand up, I mean, I, I'll always mm-hmm. love stand up. I love being on a stage, mm-hmm. telling jokes, getting laughs. Like, it's my favorite. But I, if I'm not, if I'm feeling like I'm slipping into that, that fucking sewage again, I can't mm-hmm. do it, dude. Yeah, it's not right worth there. it. So good for you for knowing. Yeah, it was just it just like I I think it's a thing I've known for a long time. I just haven't admitted it. 
And mm-hmm. so, and, and what happened was I started to look around and be like, well, that bugs me about that person and that bugs me about that person. And then I was oh, like, yeah. so oh, real. wait a minute, I do all that. So real. Ooh, so it's a very it's delicate just, thing. It's a very delicate yeah. freaking tool that you're, the weapon that you're swinging around. You got to yeah. be careful. A lot of people don't know how to use it. They get it and they're just like, oh, you know, I guess that's like every. Well, that's ca- how we became funny yeah. was yeah. as a defense yeah. mechanism from mm-hmm. bullying and abuse. Like. Becoming funny doesn't happen in a fucking vacuum, you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So roast responsibly, guys. <laughs> uh, what is you? What would you say your relationship with your higher power is like? It's like sometimes I feel like it's not there. So I always try to connect throughout the day by praying. Um, I feel like I never consciously had the thought. Um, since I got sober, like God's not real. But for a long time, I think I didn't think God was real. I've, for, dipped, I've dipped in and out. I've had atheist moments. Yeah. I never, when I got sober, I was so desperate that I was like, sure, I believe in God. Yeah. God just saved me from dying uh, alcoholic death. But maybe there was a deeper part of me that didn't believe, that didn't want to believe. So like I was like going along with it, but like the deep mm-hmm. in my heart, I was like, nah. And so I just actively try to like pray, even though I'm like, and sometimes like, I'm like, please show me, make things obvious. Like, I just have to build it more and more. And that's why I meditate too, is because I need to create a stronger attachment to my higher power. Because mm-hmm. whenever I feel more attached to my higher power, I feel like life happens effortlessly and things fall perfectly into place. Right. So I know that it pays off when I really connect to my higher power. Yeah. Though it's hard. Parts of me don't want to believe, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's natural to, well, and I've, oh, here's what I found out. I, I don't know anything about my higher power, but I do know that it is a thing. And that's, yeah, I don't know anything about mine other than and, it's loving, super yeah, loving, has my back. That's totally okay. I think I, I don't need a big, I don't need an architectural design of what that looks like for me. I just know what I've experienced and I can move forward with that. And I think it's completely healthy to question i think it's yeah. super healthy to question but i'm never in a headspace of cynicism i'm just in right. like okay well then i'm gonna work harder on trying to just look for signs and then the signs come like just little things oh my gosh today the you know my little sign of the day from my higher power i'm i started my period and um a friend of mine said this thing where she's like actually when i'm pmsing and starting my period i always have this part of the month where I just feel not connected to my boyfriend. Um, I just don't feel like we're connected. I start doubting a relationship and I'm like, that's what I experienced because I was telling her <laughs> <Yeah>. about <laughs> all this stuff. She's like, is your period about to start? And I'm like, yeah. And so I knew that from last month and my period was about to start and I knew that, but I still felt, I still am feeling disconnected from him because that's my hormonally, I've, I'm off. And um, last night I was crying on the phone to him because he couldn't come over but also because um <laughs> i totally cried a bunch last night and this morning i'm going through it with hormones i'm about ready yeah. to have surgery and i'm just yeah. like well also estrogen my, shit is no joke my parents were here for three days and they oh. had me go go going and i right. was pmsing and the three days before that i worked three nights in a row which i never do and it's totally draining on your spirit and your body so six days in a row i was absolutely exhausted and PMSing. And so it was just like, by by last night I was done. And then he's like, I can't come over. I have to study. And it was understandable. He had big test. But, um, so I was like, 
I just, I need, you're, you're neglecting me. Like I'm not getting enough from you. And so my little, I guess, moment of the day was I was scrolling Instagram and this awesome girl I follow uh, posted a video of someone who was just like, we have to be, we have to come to our partners and come to others full. We have to come full. Like we have right. to do things to nurture ourselves and come full. We look, seek too much validation from our partners and other people. We have to nurture our souls, do the things that make us feel fulfilled and not come to them for the other half. And I'm like, whoa. And so I did actually feel like my higher power was super speaking to me in that video because it just like, I was like, I've been seeking a lot more. I'm being more needy with my boyfriend because of my parents were here and working a lot and feeling empty, feeling totally drained, underslept, exhausted, emotionally spent. And then I'm like, why don't you come fill me? And I saw a video and I was like, no, my higher power is like, you need to take care of yourself, dude. Like stop doing this to him. He's so busy and exhausted too. So I was like, fuck. But yeah, I see little signs all the time. Yeah, that's great. That's what I needed today. Thank you for that. Oh, so definitely. I definitely had to be like, this is, <laughs> with my boyfriend, I've had to be like, this is a temporary condition. I uh, am good, you know, I'm taking steps to get better, but I've definitely had a lot of that roller coaster stuff where it's just, it's why I went back to therapy. I'm like, I'm just out lot of tools. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I need to Damn. up this. I need to up this. You I know, know what you mean, dude. Yeah, where it's just like, I want to get back to that place where I'm a self-sustaining mm-hmm. <laughs> love type of creature. You know what I mean? Instead of feeling constantly drained and constantly trying to, um, I don't want to say take from him or take from the few people I trust well enough to take from, but like that, that sort of idea of like, come over. And I definitely... Mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. Yeah, I felt, but I love that place where I'm like, I'm doing my shits and I'm getting enough sleep and I'm eating enough. So then when when I, I talk to him, I'm my best self and our relationship is outstanding. Yeah, you know, that's such a good feeling. Yeah, that's it important. I'll, add to uh, your life, not, yeah. Yeah, being on the opposite side of that, I'll push my girlfriend to go hang out with her friends. I'm like, no, go hang out with your girlfriends, <laughs> please. <laughs> you're, you're going to drain the shit out of me if you don't go do this please like if you yeah. want if you want this to work out go be a whole person go do this go to that please find a hobby because this is how <laughs> if, if, you, if you find a hobby if you fucking do if you milk me and like drain me and grab all my attention you're depleting from my sources true and, do you ever feel yeah. like you're taking from her do you ever I mean not really. Really? No, because I, f- I focus so much on myself a lot and everything that I've got going on that I've told, like, when I show up, trust me, I'm going to be 100%. Always. If you let me do my thing, I'm going to be 100%. Just like if you're doing your thing, you're going to be 100%. Huh. And then we have to show up at the potluck with something in our fucking hands. You yeah. Know? Always. That's the thing. That's the agreement we had early on. I'm like, hey, this is my thing. This is what I do. And I... You know, asked her what what is her thing and what does uh-huh. she do, and she said, "This is what I'm about." Yada yeah, I, I got my job. I go work out. I watch my K dramas, which is dope. I'm like, <laughs> like yeah. how have me and your girl never talked about K dramas? Oh I went through a God. hardcore K drama phase. She, <laughs> she is going through it at the moment. She loves her. Like she, that's the only time where she'll kick me off the phone. I'm like, hey, she's like, oh, I'm watching K-drama. Go away. And I'm like, thank so, God. <laughs> comic books are the gateway drug to anime, which is the gateway drug to K-drama. What? I didn't even know that was a thing. What? Yeah, yeah. It's a whole Korean dramas are like, wow. it's like telenovelas, but 
I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. is it like that? Yeah, it's like Rad. that. Rad. Um, Terra novellas. Oh, terrible. That's a terrible joke. Uh, <laughs> well, with that, we're kind of like rounding down. Uh, Casey, what, what would you give to anybody? Like, what would you want to say to somebody just like you in the world? Like, what, like, what, what words of encouragement would you want to, what do you want to give away with this pod? Oh, God. <laughs> what? Um... What would I, like pass 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 on sort of yeah like yeah, pay yeah, forward yeah um, basically that the biggest thing and I'm seeing it a lot right now with all the politics and scary stuff in the world is people who might have already had depression and mental illness slipping deeper into those things yeah. and addictions and I'm seeing them all go further in their addictions and their mental illnesses just letting them know that there is hope and there is totally a light at the end of the tunnel and I always kind of myself doubted it I didn't think there was mental help health uh, right mental help for me or a positive future for me I thought I was doomed I was too broken but nothing that can't be reversed nothing that that can't be fixed or just like dealt with you know an addiction depression there is a light in the tunnel and I'm living it and even with all this the world crumbling and setting a fire and flooding and shootings and bomb, uh, potential nuking. I feel chill as fuck. And that's not who I am. I'm a panicky person when I knock over a dog bowl. Right. And so mm-hmm. for me to be this chill while everything's crumbling, like guys, like just live your best life. We're all going to fucking die and we can just have the most fun on our way out. And that's like seek, seek mental health help, seek, addiction mm-hmm. help there's so much out there that is free or can work with your budget so there's right. light there's so much light and so much laughter to be had dude it's awesome yeah. that's amazing oh casey thank you so that much it's incredible <laughs> thanks for having me you guys Aww. well alex if no one's told you today hey man i love you hey, i love you too yeah and casey if no one's told you today i i love you i love, love you too. too thank you so much oh, for coming you guys in. are awesome and where can we find everybody so yeah, well, you can find me on all social media at Dapper Duong. That's D A P P E R D U O N G. At uh, Anna Valenzuela. No, shit. I got it all <laughs> wrong. Uh, you can find me at AnnaValenzuela.com and also um, at Anna V is fun on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, Casey? Instagram, Twitter, Facebook are my main things. Casey Coop, K A S E Y K O O P. What's the name of your podcast? Um, Casey's Freak Show with two E's, and it's on iTunes. So Ooh, check it out. Check it out. And, Freak guys, show. and if you're listening, no one's told you that uh, you were loved. Hey, guess what? You're super loved. We love you. We love you. Bye. Super loved. Okay, bye. 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 bye.